fucking die to get three points. And they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm not playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>A few weeks away, we're back to the Playing Offside podcast. This is still the podcast that takes the debate from the group chat to the podcast world to all, for all to hear some of our good, bad, and sometimes truly woeful opinions in the world of football. My name is Dino, and I'm joined this week by Josh, James, and making his return, Matthew Cropley. Hello. Hello. <laughs> good to hear the championship boy back. Wait. Yeah. Obviously... A lot has happened since we last recorded, including some transfers and international football. But let's look at the stuff from the past week. One of the biggest Merseyside derbies we've seen in a long time ended evens with Dominic Calvert-Lewin's late header getting Everton a point as they remain top of the table. Plenty of controversy from this game, but we'll step away from the offside against Mane and if Jordan Pickford should have been sent off, let's focus on Virgil van Dijk. It was confirmed last night he does in fact have an ACL injury and will be requiring surgery, an injury that will likely end his season. Josh, how badly does the loss of Van Dijk affect Liverpool's title hunt and how would they look to replace him, given their defence has already looked shaky with him in it? I think Klopp will stick with Matip and Gomez because he has to and I think they'll do enough of a job at centre-back. I reckon if it proves that it's maybe not working, he might slot like Fabinho in there. Um, but if that doesn't work, I reckon he'll like persist with Matip and Gomez. Um, and if if they're still like costing them points, then I reckon they'll spend in January because I think they need to strengthen in the summer anyway of signing a centre back because we were all saying that they were like one centre back away from being a a decent defence. Um, well, the defence was already strong with him in. Obviously, they have had their uh, troubles as of late. But um, obviously, that person we talk about who was arguably, obviously, Robertson uh, and Alexander-Arnold's going forward are great. But Joe Gomez, as defensive, was always usually the weak one out. Um, in Van Dijk's absence given his performances massively improved next to the Dutch defender, do you think he will take his game to the next level or do you think he will uh, massively decrease given the loss of Van Dijk? Um, I think without that leadership there and that guidance that like, I think I feel like he needs at the moment, like I think um, it's going to be a big step for him. So I think only time will tell at the moment. And you mentioned about January potentially bringing a name in um, especially if the partnership for Gomez and um, and uh, Matip isn't working. Of course, they could bring in Fabinho in that role as well. But uh, name me one centre-back that could fit for Liverpool. Would they would they spend a lot like City have with Diaz? Would they look to find a bargain like Liverpool usually do? Yeah, they'll probably go for like a bargain by a maximum spend like £20 million probably, knowing Liverpool. That's all I can think of. I can't think of a name who would probably cost them about twenty million, but that's probably the price range that they'd be looking at. I think they'd have to spend twenty million, especially given if they're going to compete for the title, they're not going to get a lot for that much. But anyway, we move on. 
Paul starts from both Liverpool and Man City, mean the title race could be wide open for clubs like Chelsea and Spurs to potentially challenge. Something they won't do if they repeat this weekend's exploits by conceding three to Southampton and West Ra- Southampton and West Ham respectively. Let's focus on Spurs, given Chelsea were missing key parts in Silva and Mendy. Plus, the Spurs was arguably worse given they were three up in the 81st minute. With Spurs demonstrating an attack that has been both lethal, with Kane and Son in sync with each other, plus Bale to come in, with a lack of strength in the defence, James, particularly at centre back, hurt you guys? Um, yes, and no. I think a problem we had today is, or the other day, is I know it sounds weird, but missing Eric Dyer. Um, he, yes, he does make the odd mistake, but I, I've always, I've always said that Davinson Sanchez has potential. At the moment, I'd prefer to see Eric Dyer in that team next to Toby Alderweireld. Um, I, I think they're both better defenders than Sanchez. Sanchez is too error-prone. It kind of looks like he just flops around the place, doesn't always seem to know what he's doing. And I think that I remember saying, was it in the group chat? Um, what after just before the second goal, I was like, Sanchez is going to give West Ham a goal today, and he did. Um, he's he's not been good enough recently. I think he needs to be dropped. I, I'd love to see Alderweireld and Dyer. Obviously, Dyer was out. He's now back. I'd love to see them two go in for the next game, even the likes of uh, maybe Joe Roden coming in. Obviously, we just hmm. got him from the championship. We don't fully know what he's like, but it's got to be worth a punt given how poor Sanchez was that day. Um, that was actually yeah going to be my next question. Actually, could Roden break into the team to be an effective replacement for someone like Sanchez? And do you think, given his time at what was it Swansea? Yeah, Sorry, Swansea. Um, yeah, I think he could. I mean, you look at last season. We brought in Jaffa Tanganga, uh, who did a fantastic job when he came in for the few games he did. Obviously, he's been mm. out injured, um, but it, it's there. Our defense, even Dyer, Dyer and Sanchez. To be honest, even Alderweireld, the last couple of years, none of them have been consistent enough since really Vertonghen started to decline. Um, Vertonghen and Alderweireld together were a fantastic partnership. Um, Probably the best defensive pairing I've seen at Tottenham in my lifetime. Um, And since he started to drop off and then we get rid of Vertonghen, Alderweireld's not been the same. Obviously, he started to slip a bit too. Dyer and Sanchez were never really good enough to be first choice. There was a reason they were second choice before. And we've not we've not really brought in anyone to replace it. Obviously, we went in for Skriniar, and I really wanted Skriniar to come in for that reason. We needed someone that solid at the back. And uh, I think the other day showed that. I think, especially as well, I think, obviously, Roden could be a good player and could come on. But I feel like he did need someone with a bit more experience in a way you always seem to like try and someone and develop someone whereas bringing someone in next to world of our old in the case of Skriniar could have been you know bang on one of the better centre-back duos in the Premier. yeah I, I agree I the only issue is, is I don't think it's just defensive I think you look at our midfield uh the way that we changed shape um after Ndombele went off for Harry Winks uh, I think that had a big part to play in that Winks played a little bit deeper which moved Hoybier out of position I think you watch the start of the game, Hoybier dictate uh, the play in the midfield, and he was the one pulling it from defence and moving it forward. Harry Winks, uh, as shown by the last goal, is not capable of doing that uh, and keeping us looking safe there. He was the reason the ball went to Lanzini in the end with his poor touch. Um, if you're a professional, you should know at that point, 93rd minute, 94th minute even at that point in time, 
you've got 30 seconds left. You don't try and dribble it out. You smack it. You may, you mentioned about having a field and stuff. I've got one here about potentially conceding free on. You could lack a um, conservative mentality within the side. I mean, considering your leaders are Lloris and Kane, Lloris playing in goal, Kane up front isn't where you know your stereotypical um, leader, captain would be. Usually a centre-back, maybe a centre-mid. Um there needs someone, not necessarily captain, but someone in the side in a defensive role to step up um, in a in a leadership role, essentially, to help you see out these games. Because obviously this has, under Mourinho especially, at the see at the start uh, the end of last season, seems to be a problem where you can't um, see games out. See the couple I, of goals. I, it's not the first I don't time. think it's anything to do with mentality. Um, you look at the club, the mentality's improved since Mourinho's came in. We had the same issue under Pochettino and for the last season he was there. It, it's ability. We don't have a strong enough defence. Uh, Aurier, fantastic at playing balls in, but he's always been error-prone at the back. He's not very good defensively. Uh, Reguillon, fantastic player. Better than he was, but you could debate Ben Davies was better defensively than Reguillon will be. He's more attacking and hmm. offering that option. And then you look at the back, like, I've said Alderweireld's abilities dropped. Sanchez, he's always had that mistake in him. And then Harry Winks has came on, who's got the mistake in there. They're not good enough players for us to look at. You say earlier that we could potentially mount a challenge. If the likes of Harry Winks, Davinson Sanchez are getting in that team week in, week out, we are not going to challenge for a title because they're not good enough players. The only team to actually pick up maximum points so far is, surprisingly, Aston Villa after Ross Barkley's late goal helped the villains to pick up all three points against Leicester. A lot of us picked Villa to be in a similar situation as they were last season, especially me being picking them 20th. Um, we won't talk about that. But they've completed, completely altered as many's opinions, with Jack Grealish remaining in the club and their summer signings settling well so far. Matt, I want to ask you this. How much longer can this run continue? And where would you place them now if you were to predict the table? Um... I think, oh, I don't know. I think their run, their run will continue for a few more games. Because, um, <clears throat> I mean, they've, they've been they've been pretty solid defensively. Uh, and if you look at their upcoming fixtures, they haven't got any of the big six for quite some time. Um, I think their next like big team that they've got is Chelsea, uh, and that's not um, that's not until like. December, <laughs> so yeah, so got a fairly long run without them. So if they if they can keep these like this solid defense um, going, then I think they'll 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 be doing all right. Maybe they they won't win every game, but they'll they'll still be pushing up there. Mm. I mean, I mean, you'd agree they're a more much more complete team this year, considering they had like Emmy Martinez has come in, who's been um, had a wonderful end of last season for Arsenal. The midfield's drastically changed, obviously, with um, Mr. Ross Barkley coming in. Um, yeah, who, to be fair, uh, sort of jokingly saying how good he is, but he is generally made a great impact on that side. And the one thing they were missing big time last year was goals, and Ollie Watkins has delivered that so far. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Obviously, time will tell if he does live up to the transfer fee. But uh, one more thing: out of all these players for you that you've seen in these past four games, who has been that one key man? Um, I mean, the the easy option is obviously Jack Grealish, hmm. um, because he's got the most goals. Well, I think he's got equal goals to Ollie Watkins. 
but you can't deny Ollie Watkins has had a very good start to the season. Um, but Grealish is that that player that everyone every team wants. Um, yeah. And obviously impressed for England in yeah. the past few weeks in the in the in the game he got. Obviously yeah. Southgate didn't think he deserved. John John uh, McGinn has had quite a decent start. Mm. Missed a lot of um, lot of last season for injuries, and yeah, um, he's 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 assisted four of uh, twelve goals, um, which is so not far. bad, especially which if is, which is for fantasy yeah, football, you know, which is pretty good. Just confirm this: where would you place him in the table? You have to choose now. Uh, I'd say eighth, eighth. Yeah, I I I don't think they'll keep the run what, going forever. Um, yeah, but still, that's um, it's still hard. Yeah, I just think. They're gonna do. They're just gonna do really well this year. Like Emmy Martinez, as Josh would probably agree, is a very good goalkeeper. Very good. I, I was shocked Arsenal let go of him because he was fantastic for them at the end of last season. But then you get that transfer fee for someone who's gonna to want to be first choice now, and it's hard to get rid of someone like Leno who has been good for them the last few years. I'm sure Arsenal have some clauses for yeah. Emmy Martinez that they're gonna get plenty of money when. When he goes to a bigger club, if he keeps up his his like form, he's he's only going to get better. I was in Liverpool. Everybody could see the tackle. Everybody could see the gravity of the tackle and how serious he was. I personally, I think Jordan Pickford should be banned for as long as Virgil Van Dijk is out. Don't don't give me the oh, but that was in, not intentional. He didn't do it on purpose. He goes in and with his two legs catches the knee and the leg of Virgil Van Dijk. What is that? Who okay. does that? So, Jules, that's not that's not going to happen, Jules, because that's not. I don't care. That's not I in think, the rules. I th- okay. Yeah, I know, but that, that's the way it should be. This week we see the return of the Champions League as the first games of the group stages take place, starting Tuesday evening. What we're going to do today is talk through our hot takes of the tournament, some good and some bad players and teams competing. Let's start with the Golden Boot Award. Robert Lewandowski stormed the charts last season with 15 goals to his name. The closest to him was Erling Haaland, who managed 10 goals featuring for both RB Leipzig, no, RB Salzburg, featuring for both RB Salzburg and Dortmund. Does Lewandowski retain his crown? Does Haaland or one of the big names such as Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar and Bappe take it from him? Or is it someone I haven't mentioned? Um, I think Lewandowski will get the golden boot again because like, just Bayern Munich in general just simply look unstoppable. Um, but maybe another player that might might contend for it that you haven't even mentioned I think is um, Luis Suarez because there's no pressure on him. Like... Uh, Atletico and he got him for like five million or something, and he's just a natural finisher and experience. And I, I don't see. There's no reason why he couldn't get ten plus goals. He's got a got a lot of bite. <laughs> he does have a lot of bite. That is true. Um, no, that's a that's a good idea. Obviously, he was going to be now the main man, which he hasn't been in his time at Barcelona. So he's going to be getting most likely all the set pieces. Um, He's going to get all the chances put through to him. And you know, Suarez, we've seen it at Barcelona, we've seen it at Liverpool. He's going to take his chances. Um, mention mentioned one name that I said earlier, obviously, was Haaland, who um, finished with uh, 10 goals, playing for two different clubs. Now he's just at Dortmund. Obviously, uh, he could get a move in January, obviously, with him being high demand. Could he push Lewandowski for it? Uh, he, or Suarez? I think he could. I think he could. I think... If anyone out of that list, and I'm sorry Mbappe, but anyone out of that list, like I think it is going to be Haaland that will compete. 
the golden boot. I think Haaland's got a good group as well with Bruges and Lazio and Zenit. Um, it's just a question of how far they can go in the tournament because I think Haaland will score. Lewandowski, they've already proved in the Bundesliga that they're going to score a lot. He's got seven goals in four games. Um, and obviously, Lokomotiv Moscow and Salzburg, they could score against them quite easily. But Atletico Madrid will shut up shop a little bit, so it might be harder for them. But I could see Bayern going further in the tournament. I think I'd pick Lewandowski. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a safe one, um, especially with, with the way Dortmund are set up at the moment. Obviously, really strong going forward, but they are not where they were where they used to be at least anyway uh booster in a stronger defense so that might be vulnerable against the bigger they've teams they've only conceded twice um, this season in four games i, f- I feel bad for saying that now, but, <laughs> i mean compared just like look at you look at their old side with you know when they had hummels and um what's his face uh Subotich and that uh back back i'm just talking about back in their peak compared to where it is now yeah that's very true the second hot take goes to the team who you believe will underachieve in this year's tournament. A team that might be looking an early exit from the tournament. There wasn't too many shocks last year. If Ajax Inter Milan been arguably the biggest shocks, albeit being in tough groups. Does this happen this year or could one of the big teams not qualify for the knockout stages? Uh, so, James? The sure. team that jumps to my mind, just because I felt last season uh, they didn't look amazingly consistent. This season, they're currently uh, ninth in the league. They've played less games than some of the other teams, but they haven't looked amazing in some of them. Is Barcelona. Um, Obviously, with Messi nearly leaving in the summer or talking about leaving, obviously, it it could throw a shockwave through the club. Their performances might not necessarily this whole season look as good because if he's still thinking about leaving, his mind might not be there. Um, they've got quite an easy group by Juventus. Um, so I could see him getting out of the group, but maybe. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And like, like I said, yeah, they've only played four games. They've won two. They've drawn one in La Liga, um, which looks good. But obviously they're Barcelona. They should be doing that anyway. They haven't looked amazing in in their games at times. Um, So I see them getting out of the group, but I I could see them struggling with the big teams. It would be interesting to see how they play against Juventus in the group stage. I think if they if they look a bit shaky there, that might just signify how poorly how like far they'll go in the tournament. They won't go very far. Mm, It's like they have like an interesting mix of it where they're sort of trying to be stay with the old guard, but then they also have do have a bit of youth coming through. Likes of Ansu, Ansu Fatou, Fatty, for example, um, which at the moment isn't really the best mixer, as you say, going through to the next round, facing one of the bigger clubs, um, having those the experienced players, but a lot of them not having their mentality in it with the likes of Messi wanting to leave. Uh, being rumoured that obviously PK and Busquets were going to leave in the summer, but they didn't. So how much are they going to be really wanting to be fighting for the badge? And then, like the likes of Ansu Fatty, obviously, and uh, the other youngsters they do have that they will play, uh, won't have the experience in these situations and may crumble under the pressure essentially in those games. Yeah, and I, I, so, think I think even the experienced players, like you, you could ask a Barca fan, and they 
possibly say that they don't they don't trust him to be in the team. Like you look at Umtiti, he when he had has been fit, he's been dropped because he's not consistent enough. I've seen Barca fans asking for Busquets to be dropped, and Busquets has been a mainstay in their team and someone that's everyone's class as solid for years. He's starting to decline. Uh, Griezmann has obviously divided opinion the entire time he's been there. So so was uh, Coutinho. Is Coutinho still there? Or did he go back out somewhere? Coutinho is still there, yeah. He's the same there. Not sure if he's playing. And then but... they've brought in young players like Serginho Dest, uh, Francisco Trincao. Um, they're, they're signings you don't necessarily look at Barca and go, is that, does that improve the team? Um, the the best one to look at is when they brought in Braithwaite last year. Like that was a, a clear panic, and it looks like the boards now number nine. and the club don't really know what they're trying to aim for at the minute. But I mean, it's it's a weird one because obviously they were so good at like um when you're talking about like in the two thousands how like, Messi and Iniesta all came through the team and uh, players such as that they were molded in where it was sort of like. The experienced players left at the right time to allow the new ones to come in, and new ones would be just uh, we brought in, uh, trialed in, having their having their minutes, getting more experience, more experience until they're ready to be full fledged starters. Uh, and that sort of mentality at Barcelona really has gone seemingly, in, especially in like the last five years. Well, I, uh, it really just does seem a mess compared to how good it I was. I think the problem is is that that generation was too good, um, because it meant that they couldn't bring people through from the academy into the first team because there was such a gulf in quality that it was massively noticeable and they'd have dropped down. So what they did was they panicked and started splashing money on players that they really shouldn't have been splashing money on because they looked at players and went, right, he can improve us right now, we'll get him. And then he's not fit the mentality and it's not worked. And then because of that, they've then lost some of their youth players to other teams because the youth players have looked at it and gone, we're not getting a chance, let's go elsewhere. Um, and then they've suddenly gone, right, this spending money hasn't hasn't massively worked, we'll look at the youth team quickly. And then because they've lost all of their good ones, they've had some, obviously, that kept around, but they've brought through then players that weren't good enough, and they've then panicked again and gone, oh, no, we need to spend money, we haven't got enough good enough youth. And it's just, a, it's became a cycle of they seem to be panic buying and then panic bringing people through and nothing seems to be working because they're not sticking to something. They're just changing their mind every few months. I think you look at Real Madrid, uh, they got rid of Ronaldo. Yes, they declined, but everyone knew they were going to decline. But they seemingly have a plan. Um, they look comfortable in what they're trying to do. You can tell that there's a future they're building to. So one, one Madrid is not quite maybe the... What, what Madrid used to call the Galacticos they're bringing yeah. um, like necessarily they're still bringing in strong strong enough names still willing to spend the money on uh, both talent that is uh, clearly talented but also young that will set them up for the future and be part of these uh, Madrid teams for many many yeah, years yeah exactly they're not, it doesn't seem like a panic it seems like there's a system in place there and I think that's what Barcelona need to look at and try and emulate in a way. Yes, Madrid haven't been amazing. They haven't been as good as they have been in recent years. But I think they know that, and I think that they know that that's coming, uh, and that they are building to something again. I don't think they're not panicking, and I like that. To completely flip from that hot take to this one, we have the team you believe will be likely be the overachievers of this year's tournament. In years past, we've seen both Leon 
and Ajax beat big teams and make their way to the semi-finals of the competition. Is there a team, Matt, you see maybe looking at the groups that may go under the radar and has a chance of beating one of the big boys in knockout rounds? Um, I think some of the Italian teams. So you've got like Lazio and Atalanta. They're very good teams. Uh, but nobody ever talks about them in the same aspect as like the Spanish teams or the smaller English teams that are always in the Champions League, like Chelsea. Um, Small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Careful what um, you say, man. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think like Lazio, Lazio and Atalanta, are, I think they're teams to look out for. Because they've got very, very good attacking. As we saw last year, they went, they did go quite far. I, I, I really wanted them to go far because um, they, they, they were playing quite nice football. And uh, obviously, for, obviously for them, it will be a tough um, way to get out to the knockout stages. Obviously, oh yeah, that group's hard. And um, and Ajax, uh, considering the losses Ajax have had to their squad. I probably would prefer Atlanta to go through. I do think Liverpool um, are now weak, heavily weakened because they've lost Van Dijk. Um, and um, I don't think they're going to be... I, th- I, th- I think they'll go through that group. But I don't think they'll finish top. I think it might be Atalanta. Um, I, I, I think Ajax will... I think it's going to take Ajax a couple of years to do what they do, where they just rebuild their squad with the youth. Yeah, it happens. Um, it happens. Happens every uh, like five, every ten, three years, every yeah. five, ten years. Ajax always have that one amazing squad who theoretically should win. Um, if along comes Spurs, um. you do, you do. <laughs> no, sorry. But yeah, no, same, same with Atlanta. Um, they they managed to uh, play even uh, even against the big teams. Uh, play quality football. And they didn't actually, in fact, they lost a couple of names, um, but not too many, not anything too crucial to their setup that is going to um, affect them going forward and will make a play in this year's Champions League. And potentially, when they play up against someone like PSG in the knockout stages again, they will have the ability to um, compete and potentially beat them like they do with the likes of Inter and um, Juve in, the, in Syria. Yeah. To contrast to the last point, we have the player that might not feature in one of the big teams whose performances you have to keep an eye on as they announce themselves on the big stage. Hussein Awar was an example last season, whose performances helping Leon to the semi-finals of the competition, with the likes of Arsenal and Juventus and monster clubs who are chasing the extenditure this summer. Who might be this season's hour as a player that will go under the radar? Um, I've gone for another midfielder and I've gone for Milinkovic Savic of Lazio. Um, I think he's proven himself really well in Serie A over the past few years and racking up goals and like trying to be the all-round like centre midfielder. And I think finally showing it on the Champions League stage, like I think he'll thrive in that environment. Well, it's either, he's either going to thrive or he's going to flop. So I'm backing him to thrive. Um and I just think it'll be interesting to see how much he dominates midfield in uh, the Champions League, like in a big competition outside of Italy. Obviously, they have Minkovic Savic, who has been uh, heavily touted for uh, years. Now, we haven't seen him on this on this big stage uh, before. But also, Lazio do possess another midfielder in Luis Alberto, um, who arguably has been getting better stats than Minkovic Savic, obviously an older player at 28. Um 
what do you make of him? His impact, obviously, he got uh, six goals and fifteen assists last season in Syria. Yeah, I think if he can if he can do it on the Champions League as well, he'll be such. Yeah, I reckon he'll get snapped up in the summer if he can do it on the Champions League as well, because he was uh, he he's been quality for Lazio as well. Them two in midfield have been unbelievable. So yeah, I mean the, the trio of them and uh, Immobile. Uh, yeah, the reason why Lazio are managed to get make it back after so many years away. That is it. That is it. Those three. <laughs> Next up is the Player of the Season award. For his phenomenal goal-scoring exploits last campaign, Robert Lewandowski won this award as well. Whilst this award has been headlined by the likes, whilst this award has been headlined by Ronaldo and Messi, neither have won the award in the past three years, with Modric and Van Dijk and the others picking up the accolade. Can one of these two end the run? Will Lewandowski repeat, or a new name be added to the award? James. Obviously, we're not picking any Europa League names, so Harry Kane, Gareth Bale can't win. Um, who's the name picking up the accolade this year? So I'm I'm actually looking at Manchester City this year. I think Kevin De Bruyne's got a chance in there. Um, we haven't seen a great Man City at the start so far, but obviously they've missed players. Aguero's now back. De Bruyne's coming back. Uh, Laporte's obviously out at the moment, isn't he? Um, if you can get this first team out, um, for nearly every Champions League game, they're going to be a force this year, and I think De Bruyne will be key in that. If you can get Ruben Diaz and Laporte next to each other at the back, I'd even slot Nathan Ake at left back because I don't trust Mendy. I think Ake is a better player. You can get them free, and maybe like Carl Walker. You don't have to worry about the defence. That means De Bruyne could play a little bit further forward. He's got that license that he can control a game, and if they can get their first team out. I think that Man City team will be scary to play against and De Bruyne will be at the key of everything that they do. Um, if if they can get that sorted, I think De Bruyne could easily get his name on that um, award um, because he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. Would you argue that, um, talking about City as a team, is there a more well-rounded team Given, given as you say, their starting lineup they play, is there a more well-rounded team in Europe? I, I think first, if you get their first first team for every team in Europe, I don't think there is. Uh, the problem Man City have had is injuries and keeping their first team fit. If they can do that, I don't think I could name a team that's more well well-rounded. Because um, you look at Bayern Munich, they were very poor defensively, uh, and the way that they got around that was outscoring opponents. Atletico Madrid, um, defensively fantastic. They have they've had good attacking players, but they've always been known as that defensive team. Barca, the, obviously, you know where they're strong and where they're weak. Um, Real Madrid just aren't aren't there anymore at the minute. Uh, they, I think again we've said this, they're getting there. But you look at any other team at PSG is obviously up there as well. But PSG, you know where they're strong. They're not strong everywhere. They're strong at the top. Man City, you could look at that team and there's there's a player you'd take from defence, there's a player you'd want from the midfield and attack. They're incredibly strong. And I think, again, it's just injuries. If they can keep their first team, they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, we, we also we can't be guaranteed that Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake, um, particularly Diaz, will fit in right away. But obviously with the money spent, the play we've seen at um, Benfica for him, uh, seems like it is a quality signing for City, one where that will 
boost their defense just like Laporte did uh, when he came in a few years I, ago. I would, yeah, I, I would go with that to a degree more in the league than anything else. So I think Ruben Diaz in European football will slot straight in. Um, yes, he might not fit the tactics straight away, but he'll fit it to a degree because that's why they've brought him in. Um, and he's used to playing European football. English football is obviously a little bit, it, it's a hard one to change to. It's a lot more physical and it's very different uh, to every other European league. But the Champions League is completely different uh, football to the English league. It's closer to European style. I, I think he'll fit in more there. And they've they've got an easy group stage for him to gel in with as well. Once they're past that group stage, uh, it's all down to the big teams then. And by then, hopefully, they'll have all gelled together. Hmm. I say hopefully. I hate Man City, so I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, going back to the player, it is we are, you're going for uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, who obviously won the PFA Award last season, looking to win this award for 2021. There is no stopping down as De Bruyne enters the uh, prime of his career. Oh, yeah. Um, now's the time, really, for him to prove himself. Won the, we know he's one of the better players in the world, but can he prove himself to be the best? We'll see. The penultimate take now is a team you're most looking forward to see in the group stages. This doesn't have to be one of the giants of Europe. It could be one of the sides return to the competition stronger this year. Examples I would pick out are Europa League champion Sevilla, Antonio Conte's Inter Milan, who also made the Europa League final, and Lazio, who will be competing in the group stages for the first time since 2007. Matt, Who's the team you pick out and look forward to watching? Um, well, I mean, first things first, um, I'd pick Dortmund because I, I, mm. I've always been a fan of Dortmund. I like them. Um, they're, they're just a nice club uh, in Germany to, to watch. And they've got some pretty good players like, you know, Haaland um, and uh, Marco Royce. They're uh, some good good quality players at Dortmund. Yeah, you got Obviously, not to speak about Royce here, but obviously they've got uh, very much of young, uh, oh, talented yeah. players coming through. Um, they always seem to be the in, in Bayern's shadow. Yeah. Um, which is a bit upsetting, really, because they're, uh, they're a very good team. Um, but it, it, it sort of seems like it's, um, for them, they're about a year, maybe two away from having to do their re- repeat cycle where they're going to probably have to sell Haaland Sell Sancho, yeah, sell they'll, the other, they'll, they'll a few the other names as they'll well. They'll sell Haaland to you know one of the giants. So if if they were to manage to um, have a good display here, compete, and at least maybe put in a performance like um, uh, like as we said earlier, like Ajax did and like Leon did, that they got to semi-finals. Yeah, uh, they could potentially uh, prolong the. I mean, I'd love to uh, see them win it, stay at the club, and uh, one that will in the. Want, uh, in the future help their transfer fees yeah. go up as well I mean, is there anyone else apart from Dortmund Olympiacos um, well one I wouldn't pick out necessarily <laughs> because but actually they had I, some I'm very, happy to in the Europa League out. last year they had some of the more entertaining games well they had a very entertaining game with Arsenal when they they beat Arsenal in the 119th minute oh yeah with um, Bamia missing and they played well and they played that. with Hart and and passion. I mean, I don't think they're <laughs> going to go very far because their group is Porto and Man City. Well, so they'll probably just go back down to the Europa League. Yeah, I, don't, 
But, but I think I, I think they'll they'll be an interesting team to keep an eye out. If they do get they won't get too far, but they'll just be a if they have any any games like they did last year in the Europa League, I think it could be um entertaining at least. And I think it seems to be without fans in the stadium, there's more goals. Last but not least, let's end these hot takes up of who we think will win the competition. Quickly say who you think and why. I'm going to start off, and I was, I do agree with a lot of James was saying this year um, about Man City. Um, we mentioned De Bruyne, and they got such a well-rounded side. To be honest, I feel like that's even though Bayern looked um, look unbeatable at the minute. It's just something about City where Pep's just had failure after failure. And I just feel this year might be the year. I did say it in my predictions last time that was going to change around. They lost to Leon, but. This is going to be the year that Pep wins the Champions League for City. What do you reckon? I'm going Man City. Uh, yeah, if Man City, if Man City can keep them fit, I will go Man City. If not, I'll go with Bayern again. Yeah, I think Bayern. I'm, I'm, I think they're just too good. <laughs> I have my backup as well being Juve because, I mean, Ronaldo's just a greedy bastard and he just wants another Champions League because why not? He'll want to win one at three different clubs, won't he? Is that enough for Nothing's Juventus? Enough is, that, is, that, is that enough for, no, is that enough for Juventus to win? I, I think if I went with an Italian team, I'd go for Inter Milan. So what's your secret? Uh, you scored 10 times now in the Champions League. Uh, hard work. What else? Smoothie. Yeah, also uh, enjoy. Whoa, we're close now. <laughs> I'm uh, enjoying my life, working hard and uh, smiling. Also ich habe ihn gefragt, was ist denn sein Geheimnis? Er hat jetzt zehnmal getroffen. Übrigens die drei Superstars Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi und Neymar nur sechsmal zusammen. Also äh, harte Arbeit. Äh, das, ähm, I didn't say that, but okay. Sorry? I didn't say that. You said that, but okay. okay. Predictions time. Manchester United face a tough opening to the Champions League, facing finalist PSG, who are missing some key players in midfield such as Paredes and Verratti through injury. Will Neymar and Mbappe put on a show, or will the English side manage to snatch a win like they did a few years ago? What do you reckon? What did Josh say? Josh did say, yes, yeah, a very good point. The uh, the whip man has said, um, PSG 2, Man U 2. No context, no reason right. why. Well, good. I'm going to add one to that. Um, I'm going to go PSG three, Manchester United two. Uh, I'm also going to say two two. Um, yeah, I think I think they're both weak at the back. Incoming more so now. Man U, but yeah, it's going to be no no. But I think I think you know that Man U seem to show up a lot of the time for the Champions League. Especially when it's a team like PSG, because I'm pretty sure they they beat them last time in the group. They did, yeah. The like controversial that. VAR um, decision that got Rashford the late penalty. Yeah. Um, I do see Marcus Rashford potentially getting a um, controversial uh, penalty like I did last time um, and scoring it, but that will be all for nothing because their PSG will manage to score three past Man United. I'm going for three one. Uh, Man United defense is obviously weak with. Uh, Harry Maguire in it um, <laughs> and we get a lot you see a lot of criticism for Harry Maguire of, as of late um, but with his injury and him missing the game um, 
it does get a lot worse than that behind him. Um, I'm not sure if Eric Bailly is fit, but you know Lindelof and Bailly or whoever they're going to have to play. Is Phil Jones still at the club? To, to be fair, he might have to in, play. In that game against Spurs, everyone slated Maguire, but Eric Bailly gave the worst defensive performance I think I've ever seen. Like Davinson <laughs> Sanchez was nearly as bad last week, but Bailly, oh my God, that was awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think we'll see how much... At least they miss. Obviously, Maguire still isn't um, looking the best, but we we'll see how much of at least a difference he is in the side. Um, I could even go more than three, but I'm going to say, but say for three-one PSG. That's that for another episode. Thanks once again to Josh, um, the whipping boy, James, and Matt for joining me today. Um, I was just going to. I got Lewis written down here. Um, thanks to James for actually for helping us with this podcast because he wasn't going to be appearing today. Um, but Lewis has some. Technical difficulties, okay. His mic is broken, so James has hopped in last minute. So thanks for um, joining us today, and thank you, Matt, for no problem. A long-awaited appearance. You're welcome. Um, make sure to keep updated with the podcast and latest news by following our socials at playing dot offside on Instagram and at playing underscore offside on Twitter. We'll be back for another episode next week. Until then, take care. Notice it says outro music. So done. Just let you know, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep that in this week. <laughs> Goodbye. You've got a fucking day to get three points. And they're here. I wouldn't even let them under boss after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm not playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take. it. <laughs> <laughs>